Scripture today is from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. You've heard this before, but the message is so fundamental that I hope we all pay attention as we read it again. Then Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the wealth that will belong to me. So he divided his assets between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant region, and there he squandered his wealth in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that region, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that region who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare, but here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to grow, go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never even given me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Don. Let us pray. Holy God, send your spirit upon us, that as your scripture has been read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what it is you have to say to us this day. Amen. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. It's just too good not to sing again. 
I just thought I'd sing a, little, sing a little more. So we are ending our summer series called Road Trip. This week is called Headed Home as we kind of round out this five-week series. So I have one more road trip story for you. I think I've shared a road trip story every week so far. Years ago, back in the mid-90s, this will be surprising to some of you, those who are much younger, my sister and I were driving from Loveland, Colorado, um, where my family lived, back to Lubbock, Texas, where we were in college. It was summer, it was hot, and on this particular trip, we had our baby brother in tow. Now, I say baby, but Jeffrey was really never much of a baby. He was 10 or 12 at the time. He's still kind of our baby brother. But I swear, this child was born quoting Aristotle or something. I don't know. He is like the smartest person I have ever known, smarter than me and my sister combined. And we are smart valedictorian cum laude ladies. But Jeffrey, he is a whole different breed of smart. I was on the phone with him just the other day, and we talked for an hour and a half, and I thought, how does his brain hold so much? Now, I love my brother, and it can be a little exhausting with how intelligent he is, especially when he was little. He would argue with you until you relented to his brilliance. This is just setting the scene here. So there we were, two college-age girls with their little brother, scooting through the eastern part of Colorado in our 1990 Ford Probe, before the days of GPS or reliable cell phones, thinking we knew our way because we'd driven this road countless times, when Jeffrey woke up from a nap and said, are we supposed to be in Kansas? Now Cheryl and I looked at each other and said, of course, we always go through Kansas, which, of course, we did not. Jeffrey, no doubt seeing the map of interstate highways in his mind and trying to figure this out, tried to argue with us that we did not go through Kansas. But we kept up our insistence that this was the way and the next pit stop we made, Cheryl did a clandestine phone booth phone call to our dad to help us figure it out. Eventually, we found a road south that would take us home. We made it, and maybe it was never hopeless, but we were definitely lost. When we finally made it, we got ice cream to celebrate, except we told Jeffrey that it was not because we were lost. Now, in the Gospel of Luke, the Pharisees are grumbling about Jesus, that he welcomes all sorts of people to gather, talk, eat together, hang out. And the Pharisees find this absolutely scandalous. Let's remember in this ancient society, it was a society that was clearly layered with the hierarchy of who was in and who was out and all of the levels in between. And then there's Jesus. 
acting like there are no boundaries between different kinds of people at all. And Jesus, upon hearing their mumbling, does what Jesus often does. He tells some stories. Now, we only heard the last of the three stories, but they really do come in a group. The first two are short. The initial one goes like this. There's a shepherd with 100 sheep. And upon realizing that one is lost, leaves the 99 to find the one. Then there's a second story about a woman who has 10 valuable coins. And upon realizing that she has lost one, turns on the lamp and sweeps the whole house until she finds the lost coin. And the third is about a man who had two sons. And one son becomes lost in his own self-centered decisions, but upon returning home is met with open arms. In each parable, there is celebration for the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. And just like Don said, we know this story. The prodigal son is one of those parables that we know by heart. It's one that, even if people cannot recall every detail, is iconic in its storyline. The prodigal is a motif in books, movies, TV shows. A person who has gone astray finally finds their way home. We know the story. Maybe almost too well. So I wonder for today, what is it for us to hear in this story? Pastor Scott Hosey writes, when it comes to the parable of the prodigal son, folks have tried to preach it backwards, sideways, from above, from below. Some have tried to be fresh and novel by preaching the story from the father's point of view, from the older brother's point of view, from the pig's point of view. Okay, I never really heard it from that point of view, but it surely is just a matter of time. So when you consider the parable of the prodigal son, What character do you most associate with? The one who is lost and then found? Or the father who rejoiced over his returned son? Or the brother who is grumpy about the whole thing? Hopefully it's not the pigs. David Lowe's talks about the way that the father actually doesn't just lose one son, but two. One to physical separation and the other to an emotional one. And not only has the father, who according to the story is a wealthy, respected landowner, Not only has the father already made a kind of scene with his younger son that no other respectable landowner would make by running into the road and making fool of himself, by lavishly heaping the younger with blessings of welcome, but he steps outside conventional modes of behavior with the older son, too. 
Los writes, he doesn't call his son inside for a private conversation. He doesn't relay the message by servant. He goes out to plead with his son to come into the party. What should have been a command performance, in other words, turns into an embarrassing occasion where the landowner must beg his son to obedience. And all those who see him behave as no self-respecting landowner will be talking about this as well. But he doesn't care. Because before he's a respectable landowner, he's a parent who loves both his children more than anyone can measure. So maybe today, as we approach the story of the prodigal son, instead of finding a moral to the story, or a way to act, or a go-and-do-likewise kind of command from Jesus, maybe there's something deeper and more fundamental going on here, something illustrative, something deeper than a simple morality tale. Scott Hosey writes, Jesus was welcoming the very folks whom the religious establishment had written off. Worse, he was at a table with them, which was an intimate act of fellowship that implied a kind of personal bond and connection. So we're told that the Pharisees muttered into their beards about this. Jesus overheard their comments and knew their hearts and so told them three stories that reveal the heart of God. The parables in these verses are not to encourage fathers to be forgiving of their naughty children any more than the first two stories were an instruction to shepherds or a cautionary tale to take the better care of your fiscal assets. No, all three of these stories reveal the heart of God, a heart that is broken clean in two by lostness, but a heart that sings with joy as wide as the cosmos when even the silliest sheep or the meanest of sons comes back and is found again. So maybe today our task is simply to listen to the story, to hear, and to be assured that the expansive love of God is beyond our understanding and that no matter what, God is always ready to help us find our way home. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. This grace has brought me safe thus far. And grace will lead me home. I pray these have been the words of the Lord for us this day. Amen.